This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. So here's, we're going to start getting into some sexier stuff here. I don't know where Andrew, our genius producer, will cut up this podcast. So I'm just going to assume that right around here is a point in which he would be. So if this is the new pod uh, and you are watching or listening to this, uh, you have to watch the first one. Don't go to this one because it's just, it all builds onto this. and, And that's just something to remember. But before I also start this, I have to just reemphasize again, I am looking at this as if I were hired by the Knicks. I know what they like. I know what they don't like. I'm trying to parse it through and think it more from their perspective than I would be necessarily from me, Jeremy Cohen, my own. I just Andrew, I need to make that abundantly clear. Andrew's telling me in my ear, um, this is indeed part three of the pot. <sighs> okay. All right. You, you so, must go back. So this is like uh, I don't know what what recent third leg of a trilogy came out in like movie theaters, but like oh, Guardians, Guardians. Yeah, gotta watch Guardians the first two Guardians before you see yeah. part three. Agreed. It's not gonna have the same effect. Agreed. So let's talk about Julius Randle, one oh, of the most boy. controversial players on the Knicks, if not the most controversial. I think uh, he takes the cake. He, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna look at his efficiency. Okay. Uh, the majority of Julius's career, he has been inefficient. He has not been good at the rim uh, for pretty much the majority of his career there as well. Uh, in the half court, he struggled for a bit and then did a nice job. 85th percentile. After, so first, you know, injured season, then 20th percentile, 42nd percentile, goes up to 85th percentile with the Lakers. That's great. Then 69th percentile. That's nice. 60th percentile, 39th percentile. That was in the all and first all NBA year. He was still in the 39th percentile in the half court. Uh, then the bad year, 19th percentile. And last year, 84th percentile. Right. So why did Julius, how did he get to be so good in that first all NBA season? He was in the 92nd percentile on transition. Um, but three of the last four years, his transition has been average to below average. So last year was really the first year it felt like, hey, this, is, this isn't this is exactly where the Knicks want him to be, but this is consistent enough where it's acceptable. And then when you parse the EPM, the offensive component of it, and the shooting and the need for pull-up shooting, because that's really where, I mean, if it weren't for Brunson, there's no one else who's going to do it except it's Julius. He plays a key role there. It's just a lot of this, a lot of blue that you don't like. It's It runs counter to what the Knicks have been building in the past and even in the present. Is that fair to say to you, John? It is and it does what, again, we're, we're putting ourselves, attempting to put ourselves in the minds of the Knicks. Julius, two seasons ago, so the 
not the we hear year, the, the thumbs down year, had what was his worst uh, effective field goal percentage, as you could see if you're looking on the chart, since his first full season in the NBA. I'm not, I'm not counting his rookie year where he played literally one quarter of one game. Third um, percentile. Yeah, third, third percentile two seasons ago, 46% effective field goal percentage. They whether we, we we will never know what the offers were if there were any offers for Julius Randle um, last summer, um, but we do know that the Knicks ultimately decided to, to the extent it was their decision, bring him back with the assumption that if we 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 think that put giving this guy his best point guard since um, you know that he's arguably that he's ever had. Um, just in terms of it, more of a true point guard that, and I don't want to be smirch Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was very good, but giving him a point guard, it would it would raise the stakes. And so, well, the larger sample size here is not what you want. I do think we know enough to say at this point the Knicks in their organization to a certain extent do believe in this player to some extent. I don't. We don't really know what that extent is. Maybe it was they fell ass backwards into this is the guy we have on our roster. Let's see if we could make it work. They made it work for a year, then it didn't work, and now it worked again because they added talent to him. I just wonder where their mind is at. Is their mind at right now? And this is the pivotal question of the all season for me. Is their mind in the place of let's add more elite talent, and it'll make Julius that look even better, or is it? As I think you're implying here, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're not implying this, but this is really not where we want to be. We've made do with it because we had no choice. Now it's time to get out of the Julius Randle business and get more into where we want to be. That sums it up. It's really, it's timing. Timing is everything, right? I. I've said this in our KFS faculty chat. I've I've felt this for a while. I haven't publicly talked about it, but and we're going to keep going through this. But for me, Julius Randle has really always represented the DeMar DeRozan type for the Raptors, where it's he is the guy before the guy. And when we're ready to go get the guy, we're going to help use him his money, his value, and any other assets, obviously, that we would have at our disposal to level up. Yep. And when we keep looking, right, like the pull-up shooting, let's talk about this with with our, with uh, Julius. Uh, 192 players attempted at least 75 pull-up field goals in the, the 21-22 season. Julius was 137th in percentage, right? That same year, 105 players took at least 75 pull-up threes. Julius was 83rd. Next year, 193 players attempt 75 pull-up field goals in the you know 2022-23 season. Julius ranked 99th. And then when it comes to three-point pull-up shooting, uh, 131 took at least 50. And I'll clarify why I changed this to 50 as opposed to 75 uh, in a little bit. But 50, uh, Julius ranked 61st of 131. And then this was in the playoffs um, so far. 65 players have attempted at least 15 pull-up shots in the playoffs this year. Julius ranks 60th. So I'm surprised he's that high. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did my own search for a funny enough. I have a Randall newsletter coming out tomorrow, and I did a search of uh, I think it was players that had at least a 23 usage in the in the playoffs this season mm -hmm. who had played at least 10 minutes a game. Um, 
I think it's like 35 or 36 or 33 guys, whatever it is. Julius's effective field goal percentage is, is last. So yeah. this indicates to me that the shots that he was hitting were actually, he was hitting more pull-ups than he was shots um, <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so for, again, to recap, I'm um, just going to go through those five things one more time. 137 out of 192 for pull-ups uh, in 2021, 22, 83rd of 105 on pull-up threes that year, 99 of one of 193 in pull-ups in this past season, 61st out of 131 on pull-up threes. And then in the playoffs this past year, 60th out of 65. That's bad. It's just, it's the it's, second but, to last number is not, is the only one that's not terrible. 61st right. out of 131, on pull-up threes, given the volume, and so I would—I'll even go so far as to say the difficulty. Not, not out there like Steph Curry, but like for his position, and that's the whole other part of it. You take into account the position. It's that's the only one that's not a. a, a I, I would say that that's a decent number, and Everything it doesn't fully capture none of these. Captures the, you know, all the other factors that come in where it's like. Time left on the shot clock, um, spacing around you, where cool. your players closing out or are they open? You know, it's it's tough to parse through, but for most of these, it's you know average to below average. Uh, but and, but again, with with this past season from three, 61st out of 131, you take it. it you you'd love it if it were more, but that's actually fine. Um, he's still in the above average component. I mean, that's probably. I mean, I don't even have to rank it. It's 61st out of 131. We can figure out what that is from there. And it's it's also you you say like there's there's context in the way of like, you know, specifics of these shots. There's also the whole other area of context, which is like this is a again, this is one of the bigger, stronger guys in the NBA. He's instrumental to the Knicks in terms of their physicality, in terms of their, you know, ability to dominate the paint. Um, you know, obviously as a you know what he was able to do with Jalen Brunson, and and you saw on the previous chart that you had, like this number by far, this year by far was I think his best number at the rim. He had it, after shooting sixty percent at the rim for his first three years in New York, he was at sixty eight percent at the rim this year. That's not a coincidence. Um, so there's like all of that other context, but then it just begs the question of how how important like there it. To me, the when you factor in all the other stuff with Julius, including some of the bad stuff like the defense and the the the, the uh, whatever you want to call what he is the the above the next stuff, like the the, the pull up part of it is that's the square peg in the round hole that they're they've been trying to figure for several years now. Would it is the other stuff worth it, both the good and the bad, where you're doing that? And these are the numbers, as you know. This this is what put, put, trying to fit the square peg in the round hole. This is what has gotten you so far. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it as opposed to just getting the square peg for the square hole, with the caveat that it's it's hard to find this you know the the perfect fitting in terms of fi- filling all of your other needs. That's the conversation. Exactly. And then we look at the spot up part of it. So I mean, the spot up is it was ugly, right? The thumbs down year. 291 players took at least 75 spot up shots. Uh, He was 271st, 271 out of 291. Um, When it comes to spot up threes, 280 players took at least 75 spot up threes. Uh, Julius was 261st, 261st out of 280. This past year, 
293 players attempted at least 75 spot-up field goals. Julius was 203. Mm. Better, but That's still bad. bad. And then of the 282 players to attempt at least 75 spot up three field goals uh, this past year, Julius ranked 196th. So uh, a little bit better than uh, when it came to normal field goals compared to threes, but still not great. And then in the playoffs of the 103 players who attempt at least 15 spot up field goals, Julius ranked 68th, which also, you know, below average. So, Clearly, the spotting up portion isn't up to snuff with what the Knicks need. It's it's difficult because, as you were just saying, as we've been talking about, okay, you get stuff from Julius pulling up and creating something off the dribble, being a threat where maybe he goes downhill because he keeps the defense honest. But also, he's not doing it at such a good level that how much is it helping your team? So do you just move him? Do you phase him out? What do you do if you're the Knicks? Um, well, again, just going to quickly go back. He's been really good in terms of offensive EPM, right? Like there's there's a really good player in there. It's it's just the thumbs down year was terrible. Um, other than that, you'd have to go back to when he was 22 years old and he was in the 69th percentile. And um, so he, he strung together good offensive seasons. They just haven't necessarily been the most analytics focused, Hey, this is how we play. This is how we win type of season or type of, of arc. And if you go back to the power forwards of this past year, I mean, we, we showed this before, but when it comes to, at least I believe we did, maybe we didn't factor the pull-up shooting, but he's up there, right? Like he's up there with the likes of Jason Tatum and Kyle Kuzma uh, and even Giannis and Boncaro. Again, those two guys aren't going to be great pull-up shooters, but the ability to create pull-up opportunities is so good for them that they're up there. They just aren't hitting those shots. And Julius is kind of struggling a bit, but but doing enough to keep the defenses honest. Um, Obi is down there. He's, again, not pull-up type. And Isaiah Roby, as we talked about, that's not his game either. Go ahead. Can I give a quick stat? Yes, please. Um, Julius scored 30 or more, or excuse me, more than 30 points, I think it was, uh, 20 times this year. Mm-hmm. Knicks were 16 and four in those games, which I found to be an interesting stat because, one, I mean, it's a guy scored t- more than 30 points 20 freaking times. That's a good, that's a good number. Um, and it just speaks to, how much they relied on him to generate offense for what was, you know, by cleaning the glasses metric, at least the second best offense in the league. And again, it's like, you, you don't want to poo poo that. Um, but it also spoke to like, this is a guy that the, his big games were not empty calorie games, you know, like they, they won when he was on, um, which and it, but when he was off, it's you know it could be a different story. It's and that's I think that downside, especially now that we have two pro seasons in the bank, where it's like he's off way 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 more than he's on. That's the tough part of the conversation. It is. I agree. And it's how do you how do you reckon with the fact that he had such a great regular season, but now it's okay. Well, what about the playoffs? Right. The playoffs were a disappointment. The playoffs are what matters. And it's true. But how do you parse out everything? Right. What sample size matters more to the front office? What sample size 
doesn't matter. Well, I mean, it all matters, but like to what degrees do they matter? And when you look at power forwards, 28 or under in 2021, why am I saying 28 or under in 2021? We'll get to that. I promise you it will be apparent. Um, You see in Julius's we hear year again, he was great. We showed this before, but this is just zooming in on, on younger players. Obi needed work and Roby was, you know, whatever. And then the next year, Julius plays poorly and Obi plays well and Roby is whatever. Uh, again, doesn't really have a, a, an impact there. And then finally, the last year, this past season, power forwards age 30 or under, Julius has just had a phenomenal year, phenomenal regular season. Obi had a really nice regular season, but Again, it doesn't fully capture the poor shooting or so many other things like the, the struggle and well, defense. And I mean, we're not really looking at defense here anyway, but the point I'm getting at is Julius did bounce back. There is something there. And it seems that this can be consistent with Jalen Brunson at the helm with him. So what are the Knicks doing and what are they doing with Obi Toppin? If anything, um, that remains the next question, right? But, Let's look at in-season trades, what the Knicks have done. They moved Dennis Smith Jr. and a second-round pick for Derrick Rose. They moved Kevin Knox and the protected Charlotte first-round pick for Cam Reddish and Solomon Hill. They waived Solomon Hill. And then they moved Cam Reddish, Steve McKayluk, Ryan Archidiakono, and their own first-round protect, first pick protected uh, for Josh Hart. So every single move here is taking someone or things out of the rotation for a win-now high impact player. At least that was the intention, right? Cam Reddish didn't represent that, but then they turned him into something that then became Josh Hart, who was a highly impactful player. And when you look at the off season, the Knicks haven't done a ton in terms of significant moves. They've had draft deals, right? 2020 traded up and down and out 2021 traded out and down and down again, 2022 traded out, traded in then traded out again. Uh, They moved Burks, Noel and Walker, out so they could create space for Brunson and Hartenstein. The bottom line here is the Knicks upgrade. They do not downgrade. They will take quality over quantity seemingly 10 times out of 10, but obviously there are exceptions there. So if you're the Knicks, you absolutely should move Julius Randle, but you have to find someone who you view as vastly better. And the reason for that is because the Knicks will continue this pattern of we're at this spot and we want to keep building, but we will not take a step back in order to get there. So am I in favor of moving Julius Randle? Absolutely. Yes. It all depends as well on what comes back, because if you don't have the right thing coming back, it impacts everything, right? I'd love for the fact that like, Hey, maybe you move them and you get something back and you work it out, like, but it has to be worthwhile. And I get the mystery box and the way this team is drafted. Like if they were able to move Julius for picks and everything, but it's not, it's not moving them in that way. Right. We can argue that's not the right move. It is right. Whatever it is, but it's they're not going to do isn't it. What they're doing. Correct. They're, 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 they will not do the sort of trade that you you just detailed where it's like right. okay let, let's get this really let's get this really good role player and and the, you know a pick or a couple of picks maybe and and no they're just they're not doing it 
No, they're just not going to. Unless there's another trade that they have in the works where, you know, but again, it's like that's part of a larger master plan and you never know. But like, no. Right. So that's that. That's the way I see it with Julius. So we have to move on, right? Moving on to the next uh, next person. Next player Uh, up. Yeah, I, I, I do you have any thoughts to add. Again, I have a shameless plug for Tuesday's Knicks Film School newsletter in which I I have some thoughts on like maybe one possible Julius Randle trade construction thing that I, I and then spoiler alert, I, I think we're all gonna be sitting here watching Julius Randle on the Knicks for a fifth straight year next season. In fact, I'd be borderline shocked if we were not. I would agree. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Not every billionaire has the stamina, the dedication, or the fire to become the most unpopular owner in sports. But not everyone is James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks. This is Reign of Error, a new podcast series that gives you a courtside seat for the controversies, scandals, and drama that seems to follow the infamous billionaire. Track Dolan's rise from aspiring musician to the throne of one of the most beloved franchises in sports. Along the way, he'll battle his own players, fans, celebrities, the New York media, politicians, even the Girl Scouts. Reign of Error unpacks the outlandish story over five riveting episodes, detailing how Dolan became a lightning rod of criticism in his quest to outdo his billionaire father, while also asking the $6 billion question, why doesn't he just sell the team? Check out Reign of Error wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good and that's why oakley is the perfect partner for us not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our oakley's and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today also did you know that oakley even offers prism lens technology now i know what you're thinking gmac what the hell is that well it's a technology solely used by oakley and available for 
everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. So as we continue... And again, I'm going to say the exact same thing I said before with Julius Randle. I don't know if we're going to make a cut here in terms of a new pod or not. But if you are coming back to this for the first time, I am talking about these players as objectively in the, in the view as a client, we're working with a client in terms of how they are operating, what they like, what they don't going from there. So let's talk about RJ Barrett, right? And let's talk about RJ Barrett specifically through the lens of everything we have just discussed with these players. And what the Knicks front office likes, what they don't. Let's talk about the field goal percentage, specifically really the effective field goal percentage. It's it's bad. Yeah, the best year was the second year when RJ had his best season. Uh, second, th- That second year, he was in the 35th percentile among wings. Outside of that, he has not finished above the 18th percentile in efficient, effective field goal percentage. At the rim. He has not finished higher than the 24th percentile among wings his entire career. In the half court, 59th percentile his rookie year, followed by 34th percentile, followed by 29th percentile, followed by 39th percentile. And in transition, rookie year, 41st percentile, 82nd percentile his second season, followed that up with 11th percentile and 46th percentile in transition. It's rough. It's rough stuff. Um, it's just the numbers say that and they're true. And when you scope out, right, zoom out a little bit, look at RJ's shooting. And if you look at his shooting for efficiency at the rim, uh, mid range and through three, it's cleaning the glass and it's a sea of blue. It's actually, it's, it's an ocean of blue and the bright spots. It's just the ocean. It's right. The bright spots here. Uh, second season, he was phenomenal. From three, 79th percentile among wings uh, in that second season. Uh, Non-corner threes, 60th percentile. And corner threes, 61st percentile. Great stuff. That's that's important. The issue is it starts to feel like that is the outlier. And then there's one bright orange spot, and that was in these playoffs. Um, It was when he was in the 93rd percentile among wings at the long mid-range game. 60%. Well, that 60% was three out of five. That's a really small sample size to work with. And I think he, he was fantastic in the Cleveland series. <clears throat> the Miami series, he had some bright spots. Obviously, he finished, he was like 55, 56% uh, true shooting percentage, which is really good. At the rim, or I guess I should say efficiency-wise, though, it, it cleaned the glass, sorting out garbage time and all these other features that are relevant. He still finished 26% among wings. Uh, doing doing all of that, right? The rim percent, the, the rim percentile, nineteenth percentile in the playoffs. Like it's just from three, he wasn't really hitting his threes, right? He had thirty three percent from all three, which is still below average, and that's thirty fifth percentile among these wings. So it's it's just difficult to work with. We we could just sum it up pretty like every. I think if you're the biggest RJ fan in the world, or you're the biggest RJ hater in the world, which I know a lot of people think I am. Um. You could not help but come away from these playoffs impressed, like 
the eye test, just watching him go about his business in comparison to the regular season and just be like, this is a much better player. This is a fundamentally different player, a player who has figured out some things, is doing some things, whether he figured them out or not. But he's like, just, he was doing things and, and operating in such a way that we did not see during the regular season. And yet, and yet, the numbers, as Jeremy, it's, it's again, they're numbers. They can't lie. They're incapable of lying. They don't have mouths or brains. They're just numbers. Um, the numbers say that he was a slightly better player, efficiency-wise, in the postseason, the regular season. And, of course, the response to that is, well, yeah, because he had that terrible last game against Miami and he had the terrible start in the first two games against Cleveland and he had that one other bad game. Okay, well, you add it all up. It all counts. You know, it all it all counts. It all it's you can't just take the good. You have to take the good and the bad and put it all together. And well, so I, this is not to say that he was not much better in the postseason, but I have seen this notion out there since the playoffs that because of what RJ did over those four roughly one month, that now all of a sudden the notion of trading him is suddenly and suddenly insanity because of what he did. Well, the numbers would say that, no, it's not insanity. Um, and that perhaps, perhaps it would be an opportunity for the Knicks to take an asset, which had depreciated. I, I would argue significantly in value, but still had some value over the course of the regular season and use the last month of, that he played as an opportunity to, perhaps so higher than you otherwise would have. That is an argument. I'm not saying I am making that argument. That is an argument that, again, the numbers would seem to back up. That's all. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you did bring up the, the good, right? Because as we've been saying, the RJ performances overall in the playoffs, it was proof of concept. It's important. You, he started to see the important. game differently. It's just, okay, well... Again, how do 11 games match up with all of this? And again, context is so important here, right? Because think of the administrations he's had and all the, I just, I cannot, I'm struggling to see how this front office can continue to add efficient players around him. And at what point and shooting, right? Cause really the main issue with shooting is we could talk about Julius, but he's still all things considered did a decent enough job. Uh, Mitch is a non-shooting big. At what point are you saying, okay, we're going to keep building around a non-spacing wing who there's room to grow. He's 22 years old. We can do things with this. But at what point do you then say, well, what if we actually swapped him out or not? But before I talk anything about that, I just want to keep going uh, yep. and just talk about the Knicks again with the EPM, right? Going down the list. Uh, RJ was in the 48th percentile last year. 64th percentile on offense, 29th percentile on defense. I mean, look, I'm not saying you remove him and suddenly the defense is incredibly better, but well, also uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle the because the numbers would you, actually indicate the numbers exactly actually that. say exactly what you just said. Right. Not, not that you're not saying if you remove right. him, everything gets much better. That is again, what the numbers said during this regular season to be very clear. And those numbers are undeniable. Right. And EPM doesn't capture the playoffs because it's a small sample size. And that's then the challenge of weighing these things again. But if we keep going, right? So 
We talk about pull-up shooting, true shooting percentage once again. You know, you look at this, this Knicks, guards, and wings, at least 400 minutes played. And you talk about how the players like Jalen Brunson and Emmanuel quickly rise towards the top of their great pull-up shooters, uh, and they're really efficient. And then you got your other players like Grimes and Hart and even Bullock, as we talked about, where they're not pulling up, but they are super high up on the true shooting percentage, right? They're very efficient. And then you look at this box that I've built, and it contains RJ, and it's someone who is able to create pull-up shooting opportunities, but mm-hmm. he, he's not able to hit them, and he's not able to be an efficient player. And then when you look at it again, but this time you talk about the defensive component and it's true shooting versus the defense. You've got Josh Hart, tippy top. You want to be right where Josh Hart is in the top right. You got Quentin Grimes not too far from there in both of his seasons. And then skewing towards the bottom left corner where you don't want to be in, where it's a lower true shooting percentage and your defense is not grading out well. That's exactly where RJ is. And again, I, I I need to phrase this because I understand that RJ has has not been built around, so to speak. It feels like he's been built with, and there are other players that are in the fold, and it's just RJ's there. RJ's been hampered. I I believe there is still right. Like he's, I'm not saying he's a terrible player. I'm just saying that it's he struggled in terms of what the Knicks are conceiving right now, and the Knicks aren't the only way to build a basketball team. So if you're RJ and you're not being efficient and the defense is not great there and your offense isn't as good as you need to be, where does it leave you? So when you look now in terms of, okay, we've understood that pull-up shooting is really important and drives are important. Let's look at these really twos and threes under 29 years old in 2022 uh, and figure out where they plot out. So you've got this top box that you really want to be in the best pull-up shooters and the guys who drive the Donovan Mitchell types, so to speak are in that box. And then including Donovan Mitchell, himself. including Donovan himself. Yes, exactly. And then you look over a little bit, right. And the drive and fascinately enough, pull-up talent, Josh Hart that year, he was taking pull-up threes uh, and Evan Fournier is right near him. Someone who likes to drive and pull up. And then if you scroll down, you look and you see RJ great at driving, but not good in terms of the three point pull up and that empty box over there. Uh, that would be in the bottom left. That's where Quentin Grimes would be if he qualified, but he didn't qualify. That's 2022. This past year, twos and threes under the age of 30 in 2023. You still want to be in that box. That's what we call the Donovan Mitchell box. Uh, Quentin Grimes is not in that box, right? He's certainly well below it. He didn't drive a lot and he still didn't pull up much, but that's fine because again, he's got the defense to back him up. Josh Hart, nowhere near that top box. In fact, he had less pull up shooting than Quentin Grimes and Quentin Grimes didn't have much. And then you have RJ who's with what I want to say is Josh Giddy and I believe Keldon Johnson in the bottom right players who just drive and there's no real pull up going on. There's nothing really happening there. So. How do you reckon with that? Is it that essential for RJ to be away from that top right box? And then when you look at the defensive part of it, 2022, once again, Josh Hart, he's in that top right box. It's no longer the Donovan Mitchell box, though. Why? Because it's pull up shooting 
And it's defense. It's D. LeBron coming back again, right? Good old B ball index. D. LeBron right there. And Josh Hart was one of the best defenders and one of the best at creating three point pull up opportunities. That's now really more the Jason Tatum box. Um, the invisible box where it's not much pull up talent from three, but it is defense. It's Quentin Grimes. And then towards the bottom left where you don't want to be RJ Barrett, not great defensively, in fact, bad defensively and not good in terms of creating these pull up opportunities from three. And then we fast forward to this past season. The Donovan Mitchell box is now once again, the Donovan Mitchell box. It's also shared by Derek White and Victor Oladipo in the bottom right. From the defensive standpoint, Josh Hart's there, right? He's always probably going to be there. That's Big how good of a defender player. he is. Yeah. Quentin Grimes has now shifted over. He's now gotten further into the defensive end, right? If you can't be top right, it's cool being bottom right. And then even further into the bottom left corner is RJ Barrett. And we have to talk about the pull-up shooting. So Do we really? We do. We have That's to. unfortunate. Yes, it is. For RJ Barrett, of the 192 players to attempt 75 pull-up field goals in the 21-22 season, RJ ranked 181st. Of the 105 players to attempt at least 75 pull-up threes that year, RJ ranked 104th. So to recap, that season, RJ was 181 of 192 and 104 of 105. Of the 193 players to attempt at least 75 pull-up field goals, this past season, RJ ranked 193rd. That's dead last. And of the 131 players to attempt at least 50 pull-up threes this past season, RJ ranked 131st. Dead last. Now, you may be wondering, why do I keep using 50 and not 75? Why did I use 50 for pull-up shooting for Randall and not 75? Why am I doing it again? I can't do 75 as a filter because RJ Barrett kept missing so many pull-up threes that he stopped taking them. I was about to say, I didn't even think he took 50 pull-up threes this year, but um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I had to skew that number. I would have loved to have kept it at 75 consistently, but RJ realized I can't hit these shots. I'm not going to keep taking them. And then of the 65 players in the playoffs to attempt 15 pull-up field goals, uh, RJ ranked 62nd. For context, Julius ranked 60th. So um, just Awful. I, I can't sugarcoat this. It's you, awful. I wrote a couple weeks ago, I wrote, you know, five questions for the Knicks to answer this offseason. They need, you know, five biggest questions lording over this offseason for the Knicks. And my first question is the same question as always and will always be is this the offseason the Knicks trade for a star player? Because that has to be the first question perpetually until they do. Mm-hmm. But the second question is, are we really going into year five of Julius and RJ? And that is a, it's not even a cousin. It's a brother or a sister to the question of like, how do the Knicks fundamentally get more shooting on their meaningful shooting on their team? Because, um, as I could certainly take the sunglasses by Oakley's, which have been delightful to wear actually. Yes, for they the last have. Hour or so of this podcast. Uh, I could take them off because, uh, th- these, these numbers do, do not necessarily require a, a pair of shades. Um, like to say that you're going to have these two guys on the same team and they're always going to be high usage if they're on this team, they just are. And that, it's going to work and you're going to be able to somehow meaningfully become a a decent enough 
shooting team by way of efficiency to compete with the best teams in the league when it comes right down to it. I just don't see a a way that that could happen. What, you know, it's, there's, again, the numbers are what the numbers are. And so it's amazing that they've lasted four years together. It really is because like this partnership has never, ever, ever been like shown a significant indication of like, man, the Knicks really have something with those two. Again, you could point to positives with certainly Julius and you could point to positives with RJ, but together as a pairing and you're going to try to build a team around these guys, which have just been a model of inconsistency when it comes to specifically the area of efficiency from the floor in the key areas that they you need to be efficient from the floor to be successful on offense or at least how the Knicks are building this team out. And it's it's just it's not in the cards. And so then it comes down to like, okay, well, it sounds like you're saying that one of these guys needs to get moved. And yes, we've been, but we've been saying that for years. Yeah. But it's also it, the question of, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's, I mean, it, yeah, that's, that's all there is to say. It's also the question of, it doesn't necessarily have to be one guy stays, one guy goes. It could also be a real world scenario where neither of these players happens to be here in one, two years, probably not one, but two years, three years. And I, I just don't think that can be ruled out. And I don't think it should be based on everything we've started to talk about and just general factors in, in, at play. And then when you look at the spot up shooting, okay, uh, of the 291 players take 75 spot ups in the 21-22 season, RJ was 209th. Uh, that same year, if you're looking at three point field goals for 75 spot ups, 280 did it, right? And RJ was 205th. 293 players attempted at least 75 spot ups this past season. RJ was 248th of the 282 players to attempt at least 75 spot ups uh, from three this past year. RJ ranked 239th. And then in the playoffs of the 103 who took at least 15 spot up field goals, RJ ranked 53rd. So we can't talk about Julius's struggles and also not talk about RJ's, which I want to say, if memory serves, if they're not around the same ballpark, these are worse than what Julius was doing. And, and here's the thing, right? It, Julius, and, and I'll let you go in with just one second. Yeah. Julius is 28 years old. RJ is 22. So when I compare the two, there is a level to it where it's, well, Julius is a grown man and RJ is just 22 years old. And I hear that completely. But I also look back as well on all... on the four years or so of the data that we have. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, is the upward trajectory, which area is it coming from exactly? Cause there will be internal growth from RJ. He's not going to be the same stagnant type player where nothing improves for him. It's just a matter of, okay, well, where is it across the board? Where, like, how is it fundamentally changing? And Julius was able to transform into most improved player, all NBA second team, down season, all NBA third team. I don't want to say RJ Barrett can never be that type of player. It's just, if we talk about how uncommon Julius's arc was, it doesn't mean that RJ's won't happen. It just means it's really tough to go from where he's been at to where he could be to where even like Julius is. It's just, it's challenging when shooting is so much of an emphasis for our client, the New York Knicks. Our client, I love that part. But that's that's you know that's what we're going for here. I I was just going to throw in that the, the the spot up part. The numbers are worse, and 
one and two, the spot up numbers this year is are what really killed them because they they needed him to be reliable. Um, Julius got some spot up attempts for sure, but like the, the those spot up numbers that are that RJ got like so many of those were just so open and it's because whether it was Brunson or whether it was Randall or you know someone's or whether it was like a Mitch offensive rebound um like they're good looks you know and they're good looks and whoever's going to play and if you're going to if you're going to play 35 30 35 minutes a night for this team um moving forward like th- that has to become a more reliable thing now the playoff numbers are, are more encouraging that he was mm-hmm. 53rd out of 103. And again, I think all things being equal, if you're asking me who would I trade this summer, if I could get equal value for both Julius Randall, RJ Barrett, I would, I would think about it a little bit, but I, I am inclined to say that I would trade Julius Randall for the reasons that you just spoke about, about the growth mm-hmm. curve and all that. I don't, I don't necessarily think it will be that easy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.